0: This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting.
1: Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, healthcare, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu forward. Welcome to the Legislature Today. I'm Brianna Heaney. Today, the Senate passed and sent seven bills to the House and advanced 20 other bills. A bill on school discipline in elementary schools sparked a lot of debate on the floor. The bill gives kindergarten through sixth grade teachers the ability to remove children from classes or from the school if they are exhibiting certain behavior, like threatening teachers or classmates or otherwise creating an unsafe learning environment. Amy Grady, a Republican from Mason County, is the lead sponsor of this bill and a school teacher herself. She says this bill is to help address the teacher shortage in the state. And so I'm in touch with teachers all the time. And uh, one of the major issues that we are seeing, Mark, is that teachers are leaving the profession by droves. And the number one reason is not because of pay, what everybody tries to say, but because of classroom discipline and the behaviors that we're seeing. We're seeing violent and threatening behaviors in students as young as kindergarten that we've never seen before. She says that oftentimes an administrator will remove the child from the class and then put them right back. This gives teachers more of a voice to say, I feel unsafe this child is being violent my other students are unsafe and they need to be removed from the classroom for today however some opponents of the bill like state school board members say that this bill takes students out of the best environment for them the learning environment where they are surrounded by people trained to help children Others, like Senator Wofel, a Democrat from Cabell County, question why this bill is not accompanied with funding or other initiatives to help children who are being disruptive in the classroom.
2: Well, it seems to me, respectfully, that if you have a child that's misbehaving to this point, he or she has other issues that are giving rise to this behavior and needs resources to address those issues. So it seems to me there would be funding here for counseling or intervention within the family, or there's no funding that goes to implement this bill.
1: Another notable bill was Senate Bill 378, which would find anyone smoking in the car in the presence of someone under the age of 16. Lead sponsor of the bill, Tom Takubo, a Republican from Kanawha County and a pulmonologist, says he has received letters in support of the bill he read excerpts from a letter from a man in Mingo County whose parents smoked in a car with him.
3: He too uh, grew up in a car full of that heavy smoke, Uh, said it it made him so short of breath, so constricted that it made him cough to the point of vomiting and amongst other things. Um, Then went on to say how his brother died of lung cancer Another sister with brain cancer, sister died of emphysema.
1: The bill states the fine for smoking in the car with a minor would be $25. He says the bill will double as a public service announcement to parents to rethink smoking in the car with their children present. However, Mike Azinger, a Republican from Wood County, says this is a violation of parental rights.
2: Parents making this decision over their children Um, in their vehicle and this is the state going where it has no business going so I would urge uh, a no vote.
1: The bill passed with 25 senators voting for the bill and 8 voting against it. Currently a city, county or municipality could set a minimum wage higher than the state minimum wage of $8.75. A bill passed by the Senate today seeks to change that. Senator Charles Trump, a Republican from Morgan County, voted for the bill. He says because there are currently no municipalities in the state that have their own minimum wage, it's currently a preventative measure. He says the bill protects both businesses and low-income earners.
0: You know, if you have a state minimum wage
2: and some municipality says, nope, the minimum wage here is twice that, It hurts
0: the people in that municipality because jobs go away. It eliminates jobs and that's what we want to prevent make sure nothing like that ever happens.
1: Seven bills on third reading in the House of Delegates were sent to the Senate this Monday. The controversial House Bill 5243, the so-called Women's Bill of Rights, was removed from the active calendar without announcement. It could be brought back at any time. Randy Yowie has more.
0: Increasing caution when vehicles are on the side of the road is at the heart of House Bill 5287. The proposal calls for degrees of fines, jail time and license suspension if a driver does not pull over to a far lane or slow down when an emergency, a maintenance or any stationary vehicle has pulled onto the berm and is displaying a warning signal. The bill passed 97 to 1. House Bill 5161 creates a digital wallet to keep all learning and employment records, certifications, and licensure accrued by a person in one place. That place being the Secretary of State's one-stop business portal. That bill passed 86 to 12. And House Bill 5268 will provide enhanced recovery of oil and natural gas in horizontal wells. The proposal also incorporates provisions on the permitting of wells to enhance oil and gas recovery. The bill passed 98 to nothing. For the Legislature Today, I'm Randy Yowie.
1: On Monday, lawmakers heard from cancer patients, survivors, and advocates during the Cancer Action Day. Emily Rice has the story.
4: Advocates asked lawmakers to reduce the burden of cancer on West Virginians by increasing funding for the state's tobacco control program. Linda Hart, state lead ambassador for the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, lost her first husband to lung cancer 25 years ago. That's one of the the main reasons I'm here, I also lost my dad to lung cancer, actually it was 33 years ago yesterday since he passed away from lung cancer, so that's my mission. To, to come and share my story. Hart said she wants legislators to support legislation that prevents youth from trying tobacco products. We need to do more to prevent smoking among our young people. Uh, if they don't start, they don't have to try to quit. Hart said she spent time at the Capitol educating lawmakers on House Bill 4983, which would fund the tobacco use cessation initiative. And we have, we have us at one, um, sponsor and eight or nine others that have co-signed on, so we'd like to get them all on board for it. Doug Hogan is the Government Relations Director for the Cancer Action Network.
3: The main thing with Cancer Action Day is to get our volunteers here at the Capitol so that they can share their stories with their legislators. They're meeting with their delegates, they're meeting with their senators, and they're sharing their stories and why they're so passionate about policies that will help us end cancer as we know it for everyone.
4: Hogan said House Bill 4983 would set 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 aside $5 million in funding dedicated to tobacco prevention and cessation.
3: We think that's a great start Uh, with those funds and that infusion of monies. We can really make a dent in the prevention aspects what we want to do is take a step back and look at prevention.
4: Hogan said the funds would be used to keep kids from experimenting with vaping or tobacco products and provide resources for adults who want to quit.
3: So we'll be able to as well avert healthcare costs for businesses as well as this investment so that's what we're looking for really is just an increased investment in tobacco prevention and cessation. We feel that with that increased investment we can protect our kids so that they don't grow up into being uh, addicted uh, t- adults.
4: According to the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, smoking remains the leading cause of preventable death in West Virginia and the state has the highest adult smoking rate in the country. For the legislature today, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston.
1: Today was Corrections Day at the Capitol. Bob Brunner spoke with representatives from the Corrections Department to see how things are going after legislative changes last year.
2: It wasn't too many years ago that if you saw 20 West Virginia corrections officers in one place, you knew there was something serious going on. Now they're recruiting. It was all smiles in the Senate chamber as leaders of the Corrections and Rehabilitation Department met. with many legislators now with salaries starting at $45,000 for those in critical facilities and $40,000 for non-critical facilities the commissioner says his department is in the process of refining
3: more than recruiting we ha- actually are at a situation now where we have them coming to us now right so we uh, The pay raise back at the special session really impacted what we uh, were able to do as far as recruiting and especially retention. Uh, The individuals that were already here uh, saw the the respect that was given to them in that regard so they could continue on their career because they loved what they were doing. Um, And we've also built a new culture. The
2: division operates 15 state prison facilities, 13
3: parole offices,
2: 21 youth facilities, and 10 regional jails. That's quite a lot, and young people are now thinking of this as a career, not just a part-time job.
4: Growing up, my parents were in addiction and in and out of jail. And I felt like if they were in jail, then they were safe. So I chose to be inside the jail to take care of the parents of the children outside.
2: A few years ago, many correctional officers were forced to work 60-hour weeks, pull double shifts. Now, the future looks a lot different. I'm Bob Brenner reporting for the Legislature Today.
1: Every year, bills about crime and punishment come before the Legislature. Randy Yowie spoke with Delegate Sean Floharty, a Democrat from Ohio County, and Senator Mike Stewart, a Republican from Kanawha County and a former U.S. attorney.
0: And we're here at our spot in the Capitol Rotunda talking law and order with uh, Senator Mike Stewart and Delegate Sean Flewharty. Gentlemen, thanks for being here today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Let's start out with uh, one of the things that uh, President Blair began with when we had our uh, little look ahead for the legislature. And he talked about a death penalty for someone convicted of wholesale trafficking of fentanyl. Uh, I'll start with you, Senator. Your thoughts. I don't know if that bill is quite crafted yet or has, has, has seen the light of day, but he's mentioned that proposal once or twice.
5: Listen, I think there's a great appetite for this. Our state has suffered immeasurably from the opiate scourge, from the cartel feeding drugs into West Virginia. You know, I carry that wallet every day filled with the victims of the opiate crisis. Those victims are real. They touch all across West Virginia. But there are two death penalty bills, really, that we're discussing in the Senate. One is with respect to wholesale distribution of fentanyl leading to death. The other is a bill I've introduced and hopefully get debate on, uh, which is the intentional killing of first responders in the line of duty. So I believe there will be two debates, two discussions on two death penalty bills, both of which I think the
0: people of West Virginia want and deserve. Delegate Blue Hardy, we haven't had the death penalty here in West Virginia for quite a long while. Your thoughts there?
6: Yeah, well, you know, the supermajority wants to lead us back into the 1800s, and this is just another example of uh, how they want to go about it. It's an antiquated view of the world. I get it. It polls well. They think it's great politics. I don't believe it's good policy. This is a personal issue for myself and my family. I actually have had uh, family members who were murdered in cold blood, and when it happened, i'd be the first one in line to tell you we deserve to have we should have the death penalty if you put me in a room with them right now i'd be the only one that comes out i'll tell you what it's not good policy i've been practicing law in this state including a little bit of criminal defense we have a flawed system and the last thing we want on our hands is a state putting somebody to death that may or may not have actually done the crime there's no guarantee we cannot have that guarantee for us as a state We could talk about all day drugs coming in sure but you can never absolutely guarantee that the person that you are putting to death committed the crime unless. We have that guarantee. I can't, I can't support that. I think it's an antiquated view of the world. We can lock these individuals up. We can throw away the key. We can go about our business as a state. But for us to put that, for the state to be putting people to death again and taking us back into these antiquated views, I'm not in support of
5: it. But I can tell you there is a guarantee of this. The first responders in the line of duty, look at Sergeant Corey Maynard, who went down on an ordinary day to Mingo County, was ambushed in the line of duty. He's the father of two beautiful kids, husband, incredible character. Look at Cassie Johnson, patrolman here in, on the streets of Charleston, working an ordinary, uh, ordinary parking dispute. Deputy Sheriff uh, Baker out of Nicholas County, who was gunned down in the line of duty. Listen, those are just three examples, but we just saw recently in Martinsburg, Abe Bain, and uh, and patrol and Trooper Spessert who were shot in the line of duty, they returned fire. That defendant no longer uh, is gonna face trial because he was, he was killed in the line of duty. Uh, but Abe Bain lost his leg, could have lost his life. It's important we take these types of steps to protect first responders all across West Virginia. I think it's a time who's come, and we do have more modern techniques today
0: to make sure innocent folks aren't put down unnecessarily. I mean, the senator makes a good point, but uh, I think that we have. Pen- well, but let me finish. I think we have penalties that are about as high as you can get without the death penalty for people that commit these kind of crimes. Do we not? <laughs> it's not a deterrent.
6: The idea that these crimes will not take place because now we have death penalty on the books is foolish. Okay, criminals are not re- looking through state codes before they enact their crimes, but yet we talk about it as if that's the case. It's just not. It's, a it's bad, a bad policy. It's bad policy for a state to put forward antiquated ideas, whether it's the death penalty or any other antiquated bills running through this chamber.
5: It's not antiquated. There are 27 states across this country that use the it's death penalty, both for deterrence and for justice. It's not a deterrent. Right. And there's a word called justice that matters when it comes to protecting our first responders in the line of duty. And what do we say to family after family after family that suffers at the hands of the cartel, fentanyl that freely flows into West Virginia. There's not a family, street, church, school that hasn't been impacted by this crisis. I think it's important we make a very bold and strong statement all across the country. You want to be a criminal? You want to engage in that conduct? don't do it in West Virginia.
6: It's great politics and that's why he supports it so so much right now since he's running for attorney general. I mean we could have this conversation all day it's going to be the
0: same same sound loop. We have established feelings on this subject let's move on to the next one. <laughs> um, and it's not a laughing matter so I apologize for chuckling there but alright House Bill 5398 establishes a drug screening program for uh, people who want to be foster parents, kinship parents or caregivers should, should those people be screened for drugs before they might take in a child? Go ahead.
5: Yeah, I think absolutely. Listen, this drug crisis that's invaded every element of our society. One of the most important things we can do is try to deal with it. I'm a big fan of rehab and treatment. We have to have effective rehab and treatment. But I'll say this, that before you're a foster parent, uh, we have a lot of challenges in our CPS system right now. I've called for a full investigation of CPS, top to bottom. There are a lot of good things. There are a lot of good
0: fixes. Been, that's been that going on for two years. Investigations.
5: Well, we need. I think we need somebody like myself, somebody who's worked these big investigations, from top to bottom, to do a soup to nuts investigation of this system. But drugs have invaded this state, invaded our country like we've never seen before. It's one of the great challenges we face but, as a society.
0: With six thousand. Children needing foster care right now—it's it's not easy to get those parents. Uh, should those parents be drug tested before they get a child?
6: We should be drug testing legislators. That's who needs drug tested around here. Do I have a bill to do that? It'd be great if he signed on for it. You know, we don't have parents taking drug tests now. This would be singling out foster care parents, those who step up at the front of the line when others have refused to step up. We have an absolute crisis. I think it's a very slippery slope. The legislation that's currently pending would put the onus on the state of paying for all these tests, which could become become rather costly down the road. Uh, and it's also very broad the way it's currently drafted. It includes cannabis. Now I know he thinks that's the devil's lettuce, but it's not and if we're gonna have cannabis included but not alcohol in this drug testing. So obviously, if there are certain drugs, I mean, I would love to see the statistics on foster care parents who are abusing drugs. It's probably very, very, very small, if at all, at this point. For us to you know, jump into this very gray area, I think it's for a state that's in a very difficult times. So I'm not entirely against it, but I think it needs some work.
5: Maybe a heavy price, but how about the one child that gets abused in a situation in which they've got parents who are taking them in, uh that are addicted to drugs that put them in an environment that's just not well, healthy. I guess that I guess that's when you
0: count on the screeners. What's crime or that's when you count on the screeners that do their job that's right. before the foster parent gets the child. Uh but this is a bill that, that that's under debate. All right, House Bill 4547 removes the prohibit it, it allows felons to vote once they've uh served their term. So right now in West Virginia felons can't vote. Uh, This would allow uh, a convicted felon, once they have fully served their term, to get their voting rights restored. So let me
5: jump right in there. That's not entirely accurate. So felons who've been convicted, served their term, served all of their their time uh, from a parole standpoint, can get back their right to vote in West Virginia. The idea, though, that you serve your term in prison, immediately get out without paying your full penance to society, and all of a sudden we give you back your right to vote,
0: that's just not right. Oh, you're talking about the six months after a probation to, to make sure that. That's it, exactly okay, right. So Listen, this bill gives it to them right out out of the gate. We as is a society
5: have said your penance for the crime you've c- committed is not only your time behind bars, but the entire term, the entire penalty that we've delivered to you. It's like a loan. You've got to pay it in full before we give you the right to vote back.
6: So you don't think that Donald Trump, if he's convicted on one of his 91 felonies he's currently pending oh, after he's done, should be allowed to vote? I mean, that's the reality of it's the situation. It's an outrageous
5: two-tier it's, justice it, system. That doesn't apply
6: look, at all in If you situation. did your time, if you did your time, the state should say, you can, you can vote. I mean, you, haven't I, you have not done your a, time. This is after people are done. You've done your time. You're saying if there's still money to be paid back, things of that nature, Supervised which may never least. happen. Supervised I mean, release. if you probate, did your time criminally, monitor time, monitor time. if you did your time and you are out, you should automatically have your right to vote reinstated. That's how this works in this country. You're a free individual. The state can't give you a life sentence on voting if you, if you paid your price
5: and did your time. You haven't paid the full price. You haven't served your probation, your supervised you're out. release. You're free. All, you're free. Your you're not back. free. You still have your probationary period. You owe society... Your full penance. You owe the full price. Once that's done, West Virginia allows you to vote again. I support that. I think it's an important sort of rehabilitation tool, a carrot we throw out for the opportunity to come back in uh, being a productive citizen in West Virginia. But the idea that you serve your time in prison, but the rest of your term wasn't served and you get a vote again, that's just not right
0: there was a debate in the house the other day about somebody that damages critical infrastructure somebody that is like out to steal copper or whatever it might be and 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 problems happen within that critical infrastructure and and Some of the fines that were levied, there was talk about from $25,000 to $100,000 fine for somebody that's committing that kind of crime. And and I know Delegate Larry Rose said, well, my God, you know, murder isn't that bad. Uh, are, Are fines like that for crimes like that a little too excessive within that bill?
5: I think we need to look at the entire justice system. Listen, I understand we live in a period of time where folks on the left, Democrats in particular, want to have a revolving door that moves real quick at the prison. That's not true. I don't think being soft on crime is the answer to reducing crime. You know what soft on crime is? It means more crime and more victims. I'm trying to reduce the number of victims. I'm not trying to be soft on criminals. I think they ought to pay their price and do their do, do the crime, do the time. You're trying to do that as a senator here. Absolutely. Right. I think every day so, we've got to be tougher on crime, not softer. Right. I'm talking that's about right. legislation that's so, going on here. Here's, right. here's Absolutely. the thing
6: when it comes to this. It's a great campaign speech to be tough on crime. In reality, they've been really tough on our budgets and tough on our jail systems. We have people dying in our jails on a weekly basis at this point. We just lost a 19-year-old last week but we'll get out and talk about being tough on crime. But We don't care if people are actually dying in our prisons. That's what we should be taking up. We're talking about infrastructure bills and people stealing copper, increasing penalties, $100,000. What about the people dying in our jail cells that didn't even commit heinous crimes? They're being mixed in with people who deserve to be there and they want to talk about that's being tough on crime. You're being tough on lives. You're being tough on West Virginians. You're being tough on our budgets. That's what you're being tough on.
5: So this is the argument we get all the time. It's a soft on crime argument. That's the bottom line. I don't think folks who live in a little white house with a white picket fence want violent offenders back on the streets. That's what Nobody prisons ever are said for. That. I've and totally sort of been very clear about this. If we have a prison overcrowding system, my solution, build another prison. But when we <laughs> talk about this legislation, I think it's important we be clear that tough on crime certainly is a better solution than soft on crime. Uh, we have really is soft on crime. There's not a single
6: democrat serving in this legislature that's soft on crime. Not a single one. But it's a great campaign. I know you're running for attorney general. You got you got to say your things, but let's be realistic about this. It's a budget issue, and we're putting people who did not commit violent offenses in with violent offenders, and a lot of them aren't making it out of our jail systems because they're so overcrowded in our in, uh, today, which I believe today is corrections day, we're talking about this. Are we looking out for our corrections officers? Are we? We're not. They are overworked, and they are underpaid, and we're sending the National Guard in to do their job. That's how bad it is, because
5: they're tough on crime. The campaigns, the campaigns, listen, uh, I've been saying the same thing for years, and I have a little bit of experience working with the Department of Justice as a U.S. attorney here in West Virginia. We had a good, strong record. The wrong answer, though, is being soft on all these issues. We've got to be tough. We have to work hard. I believe in second
0: chances of redemption, but they aren't free. All right, Gentlemen, we're out of time. This is a good, vibrant debate. I appreciate you both being here. And we've talked here about law and order on the legislature today.
1: Thank you for spending this time with us. Catch the legislature today, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. And remember, WV Public Broadcasting covers the session daily in our radio news program, West Virginia Morning and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and the Senate on the West Virginia channel. I'm Brianna Heaney. For everyone here at WVPB, thank you for joining us and have a great evening. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University. Offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu forward.
6: Join West Virginia Public Broadcasting for the nightly coverage of the 2024 legislative session. From in-depth reports to floor debates, committee action and newsmaker interviews, the legislature today brings you diverse opinions and analysis. Legislators, stakeholders and advocates all get a seat at the table discussing Mountain State policy and politics. Weeknights at six on West Virginia Public Broadcasting.